chapter number 12. I want to read from uh, verse number 13 and then in the book of John, chapter number 8 and verse number 31. Praise the Lord. Man, it's good to feel the presence of the Lord in the house of the Lord today. Amen. This powerful connection with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is a day to remember, or this weekend specifically. Tomorrow, a day to remember. But today on Sunday, we're going to focus on the fact that today is a day to remember. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13. The Bible says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Verse 14, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Let me read that again. This day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Somebody say forever. This shall be a day. This day shall be for a memorial. And of course, we understand as we study the scriptures that this is talking about the Passover, and uh, this did become, as directed by God, the most important and significant feast that the Israelites would observe to remember what God had done for them. And then in John chapter number eight. Verse number 31, this is during the ministry and the life of Jesus. Jesus was ministering, just so happened to be during the Passover feast while Jesus was speaking in this particular instance during the time of the Passover in Israel. And in verse 31 of John chapter 8, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Everybody say free. Free. Amen. I am free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? I want you to look at this again. Here's a Hebrew in the middle of the Passover saying, We be Abraham's children and have never been in bondage to any man. And thou, Jesus, why are you saying we shall be made free? Right in the middle of this memorial day, he forgot what he was supposed to remember. And today is a day to remember. And I want to speak to you about that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. For your kindness and mercy and blessings, Jesus. For all that you've done and all that you've given in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you delivered us from a life of darkness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you delivered many people in this place today from habits of sin, Lord God. Thank you for those that you delivered from cigarette nicotine addiction. For those that you delivered from drugs and alcohol and perversion and lying and cheating and anger and fits of rage, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, for what you have done in 
all of our lives, Lord Jesus. Uh, and we want to remember, Lord God, that you've been good to us and that you blessed us and that you made it possible for us to live in the light that you brought to this world. Hallelujah. Thank you for the light, Lord Jesus. Uh, and let us never remember, never forget the chains uh, that you broke for us and never forget the darkness uh, and the pit that you brought us out of, Lord Jesus. Uh, but remember what you've done and enable it to give us faith for what we're facing today, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus, today. And we promise to give you lots of praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Human beings are infatuated with the future. They want to know what is coming next. And there is no question and intrigue about coming events. Even people who are not Christian or not practicing Christians become very curious and their ears peak when they hear discussion about uh, apocalyptic events and the prophecies of revelation that are coming to pass today. And you can see this infatuation with future events in our world as people seek out seers that would tell them what is going to happen next in my life. They go to a lady who will read their palm or look into a crystal ball and try to predict the events of the future that are coming in their lives. In the kingdom of God, there is something very interesting called prophecy or prophetic ministry where men will speak as directed and unctioned by God words of wisdom, words of understanding, words of knowledge and direction that relate to the future of an individual or of a church or of a nation or of the world. And this uh, prophetic gift of ministry is obvious in the passages and the verses of Scripture as God would reveal to human beings what he was going to do in the future. And even today there is, as the Bible declares in Corinthians, uh, the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom that works through spirit-filled people as gifts of the spirit to minister and uh, uh, strengthen and enhance and build up and edify the body of Christ uh, through prophetic ministry, speaking words about what may be coming in the future and giving people direction and insight as to how to properly execute their life so that they step accordingly into their future. This is probably one of the most fascinating gifts of the Spirit. And if you've ever seen it in operation, it's not something you will soon forget as men of God speak words concerning people's lives and concerning their future and their destiny. However, as you look at the ministry of uh, uh, prophecy and the prophetic gifts in operation, even those that execute them with excellence and have an overabundance of this gifting, they are still limited in being able to see the future. They can only see something that is sketchy, oftentimes traced in metaphorical terms, so they do not know the exact occurrences that are about to come. They can only see a flash here, an image here, No, not necessarily being drawn together by sequence, not necessarily being defined by chronology but just random instances. That's why when you read the book of Revelation, even though John the Revelator was heavily moved on by God to speak words of prophecy, they are confusing to us today because they're not laid out chronologically. Many times there's metaphorical language used. We don't know when it's metaphor, when it's reality. We don't know the sequence. There's some people that pretend they know, but they're just kind of silly. Because nobody knows. Because it's prophetic. The Bible refers to it this way. We see through a glass darkly. 
Those that operate in the gift of prophecy can see images as if you're looking through the windows that we're blessed with at Life Church. And you can see just an outline or an image, but it's not a clear picture of what it is that is on the other side of the glass. The same is true with us as human beings and the future. Even those that have a unique gifting from God can only see through a glass darkly. But there's coming a day when we will see and understand all things. But in the meantime, the future is murky. The future is unclear. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but thank God we know who holds tomorrow. We don't know what the future is going to bring into our lives, but we're still fascinated with tomorrow. Fascinated with next week and next year. But God says, off limit. You can't know it. You can't understand it. That's for me. I'm the one who sees the end from the beginning. I'm the one who is present in all points of time simultaneous. We're human beings and we're bound by time and space. And although we have not been blessed with the opportunity to see into the future, God has given something to us, given us a gift, a gift of perfect vision, not in the direction of our future, but God has given to human beings the gift of perfect vision in the opposite direction of our future, and that is into our past. Those of you that are here today, no doubt, have many clear, vivid memories of your past. This gift of God is called memory. The ability to recollect, recapture, relive in our minds those events that already happened in our life. I was sitting close to my wife last night and I said, do you remember the first time that I kissed you? Do you remember the first time I said, I love you? I wasn't doing research for my sermon. I was just sweet talking. And as I was thinking about that, as we were talking, I was brought back to that time when I was many pounds skinnier. And I was falling in love. And I'm thankful for the gift of memory. And how things will spur memories that go all the way back to my childhood. It's odd that I'll walk into a certain setting and an aroma will trigger a nostalgic sense of my kindergarten classroom. And I can remember. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Memory is a fascinating gift that God has given to us. Even though we cannot see perfectly in the future, we can remember what God has done for us. The word remember simply means to bring to mind or to think of again, or it can mean to have a recollection of remembering, to bring it to mind, or to think again, such as remembering the old days. But there's a second use for the word remember, and that meaning is to keep in mind for attention or consideration. In other words, did you remember me at Christmas? It's not just recalling who I am, but it's remembering with, with uh, keeping in mind for attention or for consideration. And as we have celebrated today, or not celebrated, but commemorated, today is Memorial Day, a day to remember. And we have thought and considered, no doubt many of us shed tears even today, as we have thought about the sacrifice of many that was given to ensure the liberties 
that we enjoy today. Memorial Day. Everybody say Memorial Day. A memorial is an object which serves as a memory of something. Usually a person who has died or an event. It can be either an object or in this case, a day that is set aside to serve as a memory of something. Some popular forms of memorials are things that may appear in a park as a landmark object like a statue or a fountain or even an entire park is dedicated to the memory to cause people to remember a particular event or a particular person. And, of course, the most common type of a memorial that we all have seen is a gravestone. I enjoyed visiting some years ago uh, the city of Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And Washington, D.C. is full of memorials that help us to recall and remember the things that have happened in the past. Uh, I remember going by Arlington National Cemetery at one time and seeing the tomb of the unknown soldier. An inscription on the tomb of this soldier reads, Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. I remember walking toward the Vietnam Memorial where upon the wall are the engraved names of thousands of young men who gave their lives during the Vietnam conflict. I have not had the privilege, but one day I would like to go and visit the USS Arizona in Hawaii, where the Pearl Harbor Memorial is. Uh, and there in, uh, uh, in, in the final resting place of the USS Arizona is uh, where the ship's 1,177 crewmen lost their lives on December 7, 1941. And there is a memorial structure 184 feet long that spans the mid-portion of the sunken battleship that consists of the section of the entry, the assembly rooms, the central area for uh, ceremonies and observations, and the shrine room where the names of those killed on the Arizona are engraved on the marble wall. These are memorials so that we don't forget, so that it can be brought to our memory again. I was able to travel in Europe some time ago, many years ago, and I remember visiting the uh, concentration camp called Dachau, and there uh, where the atrocities that were uh, foisted against the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, in this uh, terrible um, implement of torture. There upon the wall is a great memorial, and the camp has been preserved as a memorial so that people would not forget. And there on the walls in a multiple multitude of languages is the phrase, never forget, a phrase that was adopted and popularized by Rabbi Mir Khan in response to the Holocaust. Never again, never again. Why this memorial? Why would they leave this vestige of something that was such so horrific in history? It was so we would not forget it was so it would be brought to our memory again. And all of these things that are memorials, that are designed, objects, buildings, parks, days are set aside to help us remember something special to commemorate and remind or cause to remember. In the Ode of Remembrance, written by Lawrence Binion, published in 1914 it says and this is just a, a little background this is a poem honoring those that died in world war one uh, among the british and uh the british expeditionary force which had taken a high casualty rate on the western front during the first world war and uh, uh over time 
The verses of this poem were claimed as a tribute to all casualties of war, regardless of the nation. And the poem goes like this. They went with songs to the battle. They were young, straight of limb, true of eyes, steady and aglow. They were staunch to the end against aunt's odds uncountered. They fell with their faces to the foe. They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them, lest we forget. The line, lest we forget, is added to the end of the ode, which is repeated in response to those that are listening. So Memorial Day is a day to remember. And those purists who came up with the idea, as Sister Mimi told us about today, and those that fight for the purity of its meaning, originally fought the idea of Memorial Day being held on a Monday for this very reason. Because it falling on a Monday and being a national holiday creates a three-day weekend that causes the focus to get off of remembering and onto vacation. Off of remembering. And on to vacationing. And after all, what good is a Memorial Day if you don't remember? What good is a Memorial Day if you don't remember? You see, the word memorial, as we read in your hearing today, is mentioned in the Bible. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13 declared that the day of the Passover would be a day of memorial for the children of Israel in perpetuity for their future generations. The word memorial as defined in Scripture, the word that we read, means that something that keeps remembrance vivid, something that keeps your memory clear about something. The idea represented by the word remember, remembrance, and memorial are all closely related in biblical usage. The Hebrew and Greek words translated memorial in the Old Testament, New Testament, are derivatives of the same word which means to remember. Everybody say to remember. Memorial means to remember, especially in biblical use. And for this reason, you really can't understand what memorial means until you understand what the biblical word translated as remember means. Before we translate that, let's look at some of the memorials that are mentioned in Scripture. First of all, the rainbow in the sky, which was a memorial that God would never again destroy the earth by a flood. The Passover, as we mentioned, the brazen censers. Uh, The Sabbath was a reminder of the completed creation. The twelve stones in the river Jordan was a memorial of God's delivering power. The manna in the Ark of the Covenant was a reminder of God's supernatural provision in time of need. Purim is a feast of Israel to remember God's deliverance through the young princess Esther against wicked Haman. The Feast of Tabernacle, a reminder of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. The anointing of Jesus' head and feet was said would be a memorial for future generations, a reminder of Mary's devotion to Jesus Christ. And of course, uh, the most significant one of all, this shall you do in remembrance of me, which is the Lord's Supper, a reminder of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible defines these events as memorials, these things as objects and days that would ever remind us or cause our memory to be vivid about what God thought and what God did and what happened in these occurrences. As I mentioned, 
it's difficult, nigh to impossible, to understand the significance of the word memorial in Scripture without first understanding the usage and meaning of the word to remember. What is the significance of remember as used in Scripture? Remember, memorial. Now we understand the word remember as recalling to mind something from the past. And by extension, memorial as that which serves to preserve the memory of something from the past. There is often another dimension to these terms in biblical usage, however. Memory, remember, memorial. In the Bible, the verb that's translated to remember often represents a broader idea than simply recalling something, than simply remembering something from the past. Because uh, I don't want to get deep into a biblical scriptural language study here but the point is the word the verb to remember in scripture also implies and includes action that results from your remembering it's not just recalling but it's recalling and as a product of your recollection it affecting your attitude and your actions it's not just recalling but it's recalling in a way that affects one's present feeling It affects your current thoughts. It affects your current actions. It's a recalling that has an effect on you. For example, in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible says when Noah was on the ark, God remembered Noah. What does that mean? Does that mean God had forgotten? Oh, I left him on the ark. Been out there 40 days. Oh, I'm so glad I tied that string around my finger. I remembered Noah. God doesn't have the problem of losing his thoughts. Recollection is not necessary for him. But it it just shows us the meaning of the word to remember. Because the word to remember as it relates to Noah was not that he recalled that Noah was on the ark. It includes the idea. But more than that, it means that God began to act on Noah's behalf. Just like when you remember me at Christmas, that means you do something for me. When you remember your child at Christmas, you do something for them. It's not that they come to your mind. It's not that you recall that you happen to have offspring. Do you remember your children at Christmas? Of course. How could I forget them? It means that it caused action on your behalf. That's what the Bible says when it says God remembered Noah in his condition and his position. In a similar way in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22, the Bible says God remembered Rachel. Amen. God remembered Rachel, not that he had forgotten who she was, but the Bible was letting us know that after a long period of barrenness, God had recognized it and he remembered her by blessing her with a child. So the point is to remember and by extension memorial. It's not just to recall, but to recall and let it produce an attitude and effect and action in you that are produced by recalling what it is that is to be remembered. Everybody got it tonight. One of the most prominent uses of the idea to remember in the Old Testament is the exhortation to the Israelite, which is a type of the church, to remember the mighty acts of the Lord on their behalf in the past. This word was used. Hebrew, my chosen people of God, I want you to have a memorial. I want you to remember 
Not just that you recall what I did for you, but by in your recollection, it would bring a change in your heart. And by your recollection, come on somebody, it would change your attitude. And by your recollection, it would change your outlook. And by your recollection, it would change the level of your faith. And by your recollection, it would change your approach to your current situation. A memorial or remember as God declared to the children of Israel was not just so they could fondly recollect the past but that it would affect their approach to what it was that they were facing right now remember Israel remember what I've done for you this is a lot more than simply recalling events from past history it means to live in the present in the light of God's past actions That means live today in light of what you remember God doing for you in the past. See, we as Christians sometimes lose it. We get out of our recollecting mode and we know that God worked for us in the past, but we forget. Not that we forget the instance, but that in the recalling it doesn't affect our approach to what we're facing today. And God is saying to Life Church, God is saying to you, I want you to put a memorial and remember not just to recall, but so it can affect how you face whatever challenges you find in your life today. Live today in light of what God did for you yesterday. Israel's faith was to be strengthened for the challenges and the difficulties that they were encountering in the present by remembering what God had done for them. And here's a point I want you to listen carefully to. Israel's failure to remember in this way. Oh yeah, they could have, they recalled, no doubt, had it in their memory, but they didn't remember in a biblical sense, in the sense of the word, to remember. In a sense that it affected their attitude. Since they did not remember this way what God had already done for them, it repeatedly led them to apostasy and disobedience. tell you today, today is a day to remember. And whenever you face the difficulties, God is calling on you to remember, to have a memorial, to have a memorial day of things that God has done for you. Amen. And ways that God has worked in your life. Because if you don't remember in this way, see, God doesn't let things happen in your past just for you to get through them. But God lets things happen in your past so that in the recalling thereof, it can affect when you face the next challenge. Because as they say, at every level, there's another devil. And every step that you take towards God's purpose is going to be faced with pressure and opposition. And I can't face the mounting pressure if I don't remember with faith what God has already done for me and where God has taken me. I can't get there if I forget how He brought me victory in the past. And so a day to remember, a memorial in your life is more than just remembering that God saved you, but remembering just how much God saved you and just how profoundly His Holy Spirit transformed your life. Joshua chapter 4 and verse 2, the word of God instructs the man of God to take 12 men, one out of every tribe of Israel. And when they go through the uh, Jordan River, as God provides and miraculously 
stops the flow of the water. They are to take a large stone on their shoulders, uh, one each of the 12 tribes. Uh, and there when they get in the midst of the river, verse 6 uh, or verse 5, Joshua said, Pass over before the ark of the Lord into the midst of Jordan. Take ye every man a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of Israel. Verse 6, That this may be a sign among you, so that when your children ask their fathers uh, in time to come, saying, What is meant by these stones? Uh, then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were caught off, uh, cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. And the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. It's not just for today. It's not just what's happening today. And Life Church, I want you to understand that what you are doing in a time to build is fascinating and awesome and spirit-led and produced by the Holy One. But it will be a memorial to future generations when they step in and say, we got to build a 2,500-seat auditorium. But look what 120 people did when they put their faith together. It's the challenges of today are going to be a memorial for the future. The point of all this is that God wants you to remember the setting up of the monument of the 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan River as a memorial to the miraculous provision for Israel's crossing and entering Canaan was a memorial for the people of Israel forever. And in verse 9, it says, they set up the 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, the place where the feet of the priests, which bear the Ark of the Covenant, stood, and they are there unto this day. At the time of the writing of the book of Joshua, still the stones of memorial were there. And everybody, as their children reached a certain age, no doubt would take a pilgrimage to Jordan's edge. Say, look out over there. You see those stones sticking out right in the middle? You know, when the, when the uh, fall and autumn and winter comes, the river will be down and you'll see them better. But right now you can see just kind of the tip, just the tip top there. Yeah, that's it, right over there. That's it, bye. That, that's where daddy and mom came over and we saw as the water was a wall on one side and God's provision allowed for us to come into God's promised land. And I want you to remember that God did that. And whatever you face, whatever giants you come up against, whatever trials and tribulations you face, I want you to remember. I want it to have an effect on you when you recall this monument, this memorial of what God has done for you. Hallelujah. It is to remind you of God's past deliverance so that you can have courage in your present circumstances to remind you of God's past deliverance so that you can have courage in your present circumstances God wants you to be bold God wants you to be courageous God does not want you to be filled with fear, but God wants you to understand the promises of his word and step out by faith on the promises of God brief survey of the usage of the word memorial in scripture demonstrates that it carries this dimension of meaning that I talked about. Not just recalling, but causing an effect through the recalling. There's an action to it. One notices in particular the use of memorial in this wise in connection with the Passover. Exodus chapter 12 verse 14 as we read in our text. It says that the Passover shall be 
for you a memorial day. It is to be an observance that causes the Israelites to live in the present in the light of God's past action, delivering them from sin, delivering them from bondage, delivering them from Egypt. This is much more than simply recalling the events of Exodus just as a historical occurrence. But this is about reminding the people of Israel. Don't just recall it, but let the recalling build your faith. Let the recalling affect your mindset. Let the recalling give you confidence to believe God is able and God will bring you out again. See, for those of you that don't know much about Bible history, we talked last week about the fact that for 400 years, everybody say 400 God's chosen people were in bondage. They were subject to the whim of the Pharaoh. They had to execute his vision. They had to fulfill his commands. And there for 400 years, multiple generations of Hebrew kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, great-great-grandkids, knew what it was like to feel the whip of the taskmaster. Knew what it was like, no doubt, perhaps to be chained to other workers. Knew what it was like to not be able to decide what you were going to do on a day-to-day basis as that was predicated before by those that had control. They understood the cruelness and the uh, uh, despair and the lifelessness, hopelessness uh, of bondage and slavery. Everybody say 400 years. I won't uh, in detail retell the story of the Exodus But how fascinating as through the plagues, there was a hardening of Pharaoh's heart to the point that God's ultimate purpose of the Passover lamb, a type of the cross of Calvary was used. And the blood that came from the Passover lamb was applied to the doorpost above and on either side of the house of the Hebrews. God told them to feast on the lamb, to eat it all up and to be uh, uh, have all their stuff packed and be clothed and prepared and ready. And then when the death angel, a type of judgment, came through the land of Egypt from every household, there was a firstborn son that died. There was crying and weeping and calamity and despair and mourning so that it could be heard throughout the land of Egypt. But in the houses of Goshen where the blood was applied to the doorposts, there were no firstborn sons that died because a lamb had died in the place of the firstborn child. And that lamb, which was a type of Jesus Christ, who died so you don't have to die, whose blood keeps you you from experiencing God's judgment. Uh, This Passover of the death angel that passed over every house that had the blood applied, the Lord said to the children of Israel, when you get into your promised land and when you leave bondage, I want you to every year celebrate a feast of memorial so that you can remember that you were in bondage with no hope. You were against a Pharaoh who was hardened in his heart and had made up his mind that he wasn't going to let you go. But God brought you out with a strong deliverance and I don't want you ever to forget and not only do I want you to recall but whenever you face another Pharaoh in your life, whenever you face another despair in your life whenever you face another impossible situation in your life remember many men no doubt pulled their robes over fresh wounds uh, 
from the lash of the taskmaster. And in the night they exited. In the morning, early morning hours, they walked toward the Red Sea. And there you know the story well as Moses stretched his rod out over the Red Sea and God supernaturally parted the sea so that they could walk through. The Bible says this is a type of water baptism. How that it separated them from the old life of bondage and the old life of Egypt. When you're baptized in water in Jesus' name, you're separated from the old person that you used to be and the old things you used to be bound by. Hallelujah. And as they got on to the other side, the Egyptians began to pursue after them. And there they look as in the middle of the Dead Sea. Dust is rising. Maybe. But we do know that there are chariots pursuing. They become stressed and fearful. What are we going to do? 400 years. My dad was a slave. My grandpa was a slave. My great-grandfather was a slave. Moses, why would you bring us out here to die? We were better off as slaves. We were used to it. God instructed Moses and Aaron to stretch the rod over the water. The Bible says that waters came together. Those that were pursuing them were consumed. And then the Bible says that the children of Israel on the other side of the Red Sea began to see the bobbing and floating corpses of the old enemy that used to persecute them. Hmm. I just wonder if there wasn't some smart aleck among the Hebrew people that looked over and saw somebody that looked kind of like the man that used to wield the whip and strike him on the back and just go over and kind of push him down under the water again and say, I guess that's the end of you. Uh, look who gets the last laugh now. The Bible says they took out their tambourines that Miriam, Moses' sister, who was a songwriter, began to compose a song and say, the Lord hath triumphed victoriously because the horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord hath triumphed victoriously. And they're singing a song and they're rejoicing and they're celebrating. Hey, you've never heard a song like that. You think your trial's been a long time try 400 years try 400 years of bondage and the first worship come on somebody when you come out on the other side there's a shout we talked about knowing how to shout when you go into it but i don't have to tell you about how to shout when you come out of it it's just natural when god works it out when god does the miracle when god's promises come true there's a shout there's a rejoicing there's a lifting of our voice Come on, anybody been brought out before? Anybody here God's delivered you? Anybody here feel God's delivering hand in your life? <laughs> Hallelujah. And God says, just so you don't forget, every year, Israel, once you get in the promised land, once you're living in those homes you didn't build, eating from those crops you didn't plant, once you're partaking of the promises that were given to your great, 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 
great, great, great, great, great grandfather Abraham. And you're seeing them fulfilled before your very eyes. I don't want you to forget. I want you to have an annual memorial, a day of remembering, so that you can remember what I did for you. Not just for recollection's sake, but so that when you face the giants of Philistine, when you face the trials and difficulties that will come your way, you can remember and recall and let it affect your posture and your courage and your approach. And they obey. And the feast of the Passover became the most significant and important annual observance of the children of Israel. They would take time aside. They would celebrate as families. Sometimes making pilgrimages. Because every year, this reminder that they were God's chosen people, that God loved them enough to bring them out as proof that they were His people. Just say that again. God loved you enough to bring you out. That's proof that you're God's people. God loved you enough to bring you out. Recall and remember so that you don't forget because as soon as you forget or as soon as you just recall without letting it affect your posture, as soon as you cease remembering and letting that remembering affect you, you're going to fall into disobedience. You're going to fall into apostasy. You're going to fall away from God. You're going to drift away from where I want you to be. Remember, remember, not just for pulling out the albums and smiling, laughing, but remember because the posture that's produced by recollection is the posture that will take you all the way to the promised land. And it is the posture that will give you God's promises for your life. The posture that comes from the rec- Recollection, the kind of recollection that the Bible talks about is the posture that will take you to the other side and enable you to walk and to live in victory. Amen. And so let's move forward. Hundreds, hundreds, thousands of years. And God was manifest in the flesh. The Jehovah of the Hebrews was walking around Galilee. And there he was ministering, opening blinded eyes, causing the lame to walk, loosing the tongues of the dumb. Everywhere he went, there was a trail of supernatural occurrences that followed him. Where's Jesus? Just follow the miracle. Follow the provision. Follow the blessings. And you'll find Jesus. The time of the Passover came. Many religious people who were jealous of Jesus began to try to entrap. There during that, the days of the feast, he was speaking. While he was speaking one day, the words of our text came. And he said, those that believe on the Son of Man would be liberated, that they would be free. In fact, to give you an exact rendering of the scripture, it says here, whoops, Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now we understand that Jesus was talking about a spiritual. Jesus was talking about liberty from darkness, liberty from our, our fleshly appetites that destroy. He was talking about the kind of liberty that can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you. All of a sudden, somewhere in the crowd, some nincompoop says, excuse me, Mr. Jesus. You forget we are children of Abraham. I've got the pedigree. Can't you tell? We're children of Abraham. And we've never been in bondage to anyone. Never. And I was looking at that and I started scratching my head. And I said, this is happening during the feast of the Passover. Which was to cause people to remember that God delivered his people from 400 years of bondage. Oh, we children of Abraham have never been in bondage. See, the problem was he had forgotten. And right in the midst of the memorial day, he forgot what he was supposed to remember. And it affected what he received from God that day. His attitude, his approach was not being affected by the fact that he realized that we have no right to be pompous and proud. We have no right to be exalted because of our pedigree and lineage and all the commandments that we obey. We have no right to come into the presence of the Lord with an exalted view of ourself and say we've never been in bondage to anyone. Who do you think that you are? Don't you recall? Don't you remember? Don't you remember that your grandma said remember the Passover. Your dad said don't forget or desecrate the Passover because it was designed to keep a recollection in our mind of what God did for us but not just to recollect but to affect the posture in which we approach today. Today's a day to remember. And I want to warn you, don't ever forget what God has done for you. You say, how could I forget? It's not just a matter of being able to recall what you used to be, but being able to recall in the spirit of gratitude for what the Lord has done for you that you had the moment he brought you out. Somewhere along the way, we've got to have a day where that same joy that we experienced when we were first set free gets a hold of us again. Where we get our tambourine like Miriam did and say the horse and the rider been cast into the sea. I've been delivered. The hold the devil had on me. He doesn't have anymore. I'm no longer in bondage to alcohol. I'm no longer in bondage to my flesh. I'm no longer in bondage to the enemy. And I'm going to recall and I'm I'm going to let it bring a shout to my lips. I'm going to let it put a dancing in my feet. Brother Ben, you and your wife found out, walked into Life Church one year ago today, right? One year ago today. But many years before that, God did a work in your life. Tell me a little bit about what Jesus did for you, and I'll pull your coattail when you've done enough. Praise God, everybody. The day that we remember. Everybody at the racetrack every day. Every day. For years. Every day. But they'll have it back soon. But the day to remember, February 12th, thank you. 
God, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. No more of that money for the devil, huh? Hallelujah. What a work God's done in his life and turned him around. Praise the Lord, Brother Donnie. You got a testimony? Amen. I can remember when um, when I was 21 years old and I was uh, I was incarcerated. And I was incar- I was, not that I was physically in jail, but but Satan had me incarcerated in his own prison, his own way. I can remember when I wanted to quit smoking, I couldn't quit smoking. I can remember when I wanted to quit drinking, I couldn't quit drinking. And I can remember when I wanted, wanted to stop using any kind of illegal narcotics, and I still couldn't stop it. In fact, I went from wanting to stop, and I started to deal, and I started to sell. And so I got progressively worse. Until one day, my brother started coming to this church, my sister started coming to this church, my cousin started coming to this church, and one of my friends from high school started coming to this church. And they all started to tell me how Jesus loved me and how Jesus could set me free. And at first I didn't want to hear it because I wasn't interested. But the more I got incarcerated in, jail, in, in Satan's prison, the more I realized I needed what they have. And I can remember coming to church, and I sat on this side of, this, uh, of, uh, of, the, of the church. And I can remember him giving the altar call. And in one night... In one service, God delivered me from everything. Amen. His deliverance is awesome. Amen. The Bible says, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And today I am so glad that he has set me free. That doesn't mean I never had a bad day, but I want you to know this. My worst day with God is better than any bad day I had before I came to him. Amen. Come on, I want you to remember what God has done for you. Anybody ever been healed in your body? Anybody ever have God take off a drape of depression? Anybody ever have God lift you up out of a despair situation? Anybody have God work a miracle of finances for you? Come on, somebody. God says, I want you to have a day to remember. A time when you recall, not just to bring back the pictures from your past, but to let it affect the way you face what you're going through today. Praise the Lord, church. I have a personal memorial also. Brother Brown said I only had two minutes. I hope I I don't think I can keep it to two minutes, brother, because God's been so good to me and my family. I'm here because a sister prayed for me for 12 years. 12 years while I was in the military, doing my military thing, drinking, carousing, whatever, you know. And 13 years ago, I received his spirit. And I have never looked back. And that, that experience lasted for hours so strong that I had to call my sister who was praying for me. I talked to her on the phone in tongues. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And since that time, he's been so good to my wife. She's a, a living testimony of his mercy and healing to my kids I got them out of a bad situation and brother Brown they're ruined they may not be here now but they're ruined and they know where they need to be and they will be back and I give him all the praise every one of us who's got his spirit today has a testimony and we should thank God for that hallelujah hallelujah I'm thankful for what God has done for me 
Hallelujah. Why don't we stand our feet and let's lift our hands and, and praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we magnify and glorify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. I hope you understand today that I'm, I'm not just asking you to recall what it was like before the Lord saved you. I'm not, I'm not just asking you to remember what a great work that God has done in your life. But I'm asking you to remember in the biblical sense to remember. To let the recollection affect the way you act. See, because when you start to forget how God preserved you, when you start to overlook the fact that God provided for you, and, and you stop remembering the fact that God delivered you, you begin to drift. You begin to slip. You begin to lose your footing. And lose your posture, pursuit. God's presence and purpose in your life. See, the act of remembering, this is not just a cute message to cause you to be excited about what God has done for you. But it's about adjusting your current walk. Come on, somebody. Some of you need to take about three steps to this side. Some of you need to take about four steps this way. Some of you need to adjust some of your conduct. Some of you need to adjust what you're looking at, where you're going, and what kinds of things you're allowing to come into your life. And the only way I know to do this is to say you need to remember in the biblical sense and say, God, you brought me out of darkness <laughs> into your marvelous light. You set my feet on a solid rock. You gave me a promise. You put a destiny in my spirit. I remember it now. It was fresh. It was alive. I knew that there was a purpose that you pulled me out of the filth. I knew there was a reason that you had delivered me. And God, I've come here today not just to recall that you delivered me, but to say, God, put me back in that place where your provision is available for me, where your promises are true to me, where that destiny is clear in my eyes. I'm asking you to remember. It's a day not just to recall, not just to bring it back to your mind, but to remember in a sense of what God's Word will do to your life. Lift up your hands again. Right now, lift up your hands. Come on. Remember your faith. Re remember your faith. Remember your desire. Remember when you wanted to be at church whenever the doors were open? Remember the excitement and the passion for the kingdom of God? What was that about? What was that about? That was about a fresh feeling of deliverance. It was about a fresh feeling of provision from God. And God's saying, I want you to remember. I want you to get it back in your spirit. I want it to come back inside of you. I wonder if there's somebody that can let out a shout right now. That's a shout like you let out when God set you free free when God answered your prayer when God opened the door when God unlocked the chains come on somebody hallelujah hallelujah 
It's a day to remember. I said, it's a day to remember. We got no more church happening here today. This is the end. This is everything. It's all here in a bottle of wax. Uh, when we leave here today, I want you to leave everything on the floor. Come on, somebody. That's what they say in a basketball game. You've got to leave it all on the court. You can't take any with you that you planned on letting out there. Leave it all on the floor. And somebody right now, I'm challenging you. If you're going to get what God has for you today, you've got to put it all on the floor. You've got to lay it all out today. Come on, somebody. You've got to be thankful to God. Hallelujah. In just a minute, in just a minute, we're going to do a Memorial Day celebration. Not a commemoration, but a celebration. We're going to remember what God has done for us. We're going to push the first two rows back right here. And we're going to gather around the front. We're going to lift up our hands. And as they sing this song of worship, we're going to lift up our hands. I want you to let the tears flow. I want you to let the tears flow. I want you to let God's purpose be fulfilled in your life. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to start moving up to the front. Come on, Life Church. Come on, visitors. We're all going to do this together. If you've been blessed by God, if God has provided for you, let's move forward. This is the time when we respond to the Word of God. This is the time when we apply God's Word to our life. Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus.
more. How he picks me up. Yes, Jesus. And turn me around. How he placed my feet. Thank you today, Lord God. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for opening the doors, Lord Jesus. Thank you for providing, Lord God. You're worthy of praise, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Brother Carlos, you jump on the drums for me real quick and we're going to praise the Lord together. Hallelujah right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, we're going to praise the Lord just for a little bit together right now. This is what I'm talking about when I say leave it on the floor. Let the tears flow. Let the praise grow. Go. Say, come on, God. Bring about a change in me through what happens here today. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to do a song we never practiced before. It's a brainchild I had this morning. The whole song, I like it. It says, I remember when my burdens rolled away. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to rejoice together with this song. Hallelujah.
to find I'm safe. I remember when my burdens rolled away. Testimony. Anybody else got something to shout about? 
doesn't it? Hallelujah. It feels good to be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Before you leave, I want you to turn to two or three people. And if you don't know what to say to them, I'll just give you some words to say. I want you to say, I remember with big eyes and a big smile, I remember when my burdens rolled away. Okay? Can you be that animated? God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Make sure you greet our visitors. Hallelujah. God's great and greatly to be praised. We'll see you Wednesday night.